0: The theme song for the sequel cast is written and performed by Mark with the C. The sequel cast is also a proud member of the Battleship Retention Podcast fleet. You can listen to the sequel cast streaming on the Stitcher app at Stitcher.com. Get more episodes of the sequel cast from sequelcast.com. Enjoy the show. How many broken bones have you suffered at the hands of your husband? How many flesh wounds have you endured? After the credits roll, there's always more to tell sales are doing really well
1: from shock treatment to jason x to police academy 6 this
0: is sequel cast and they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end this is sequel cast and your host sebastian Hello, and welcome to the sequel cast. The sequel cast is a podcast that looks at films in a franchise one movie at a time. I'm your host Matt with me is Thrasher.
1: Hello, listeners. Uh, I have dropped the impression this week
0: and we're continuing our look at the saw films with uh Saw Four came out in two thousand seven. There have been uh, seven films in the series total if you want to hear us talk about um other films in this series or some of our other a series of episodes where we've covered stuff like Highlander, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, Lethal Weapon, Teenage Mutant so Ninja forth. Turtles. Ninja Turtles, of course. Go to SequelCast.com to get those old episodes. I should say vintage. Old isn't that... Uh, Classic. Classic. There you go. Classic is even better than vintage. So, yeah. Saw 4. Um, I saw this for the first time on uh, on video, and I was frustrated when I watched it the first time, and I was more frustrated watching it prepping for this show. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it should be noted it is directed by Darren Lynn Boozman, who directed Saws 2 and 3 as well. And um, I think one thing that's pretty neat is the, the screenwriters on this one, Patrick Melton and Marcus uh, Dunstan, actually... Um, one on the, there's a, there was a show Project Greenlight that's actually getting kind of rebooted on HBO, but for season three, uh, 10 years ago, in fact, in 2004, it had a season on Bravo and they had, you know, a a script that won and then, you know, a director that won, right? And the two screenwriters of the script, uh, for the film they did that year, which ended up being a horror film called Feast, um, were actually the writers on Saw 4, and I believe they write the rest of the Saw sequels from here on out. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's kind of like some of the biggest the uh, Project Greenlight guys have gotten into something. And the guy that won director that year, uh, I think, I believe it's John Gulliger, um, got to direct things like Piranha 3D and 3DD, hmm. or, or did one of those uh, other recent films. So, I think that's all pretty interesting. Um but yeah, Saw Four. What did you think, Thrasher? You're the virgin to the series, you know. You've, although you've seen, I think, the first film before. You're kind of going into all these cold, and as these plots get more complicated, what was your thoughts on Saw Four? This,
1: this, just about everything in this movie seemed unnecessary and gratuitous, and then it ends with just such a fuck you.
0: It is, isn't it? And <laughs> we'll get to that. But I think you were... And 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 I've
1: talked about this, but I think I'm just about at a a breaking point. These movies do such a good job of making all the characters miserable and unsympathetic that I truly do not care what happens to a single person in this movie. Uh, And uh, as a studio audience pointed out to me in a discussion uh, we had after she listened to our episodes about Saw Saw 2 and 3, there are actually a lot of key points that I did not notice. uh, uh, And I realized why I don't. Well, I didn't notice the, those key points about the Saw two and three. I don't give a damn about any of the characters.
0: Not even old uh, Jigsaw himself. No, not really. Like he he
1: he got he gets a sliver of sympathy. Like I, I suppose towards the end of the first Saw, but that gets squandered very quickly.
0: Well, uh, let's talk about that, you know, I was talking to, to some of our, our listeners about Saw 4 on, on Twitter mm-hmm. and one of them, I want to get the, okay, I don't know what the guy's real name is, but his Twitter name you know, for Halloween people rename their stuff, and he's going by uh, I will just say his his Twitter name is uh, Johnny2900 hmm. was saying the title should have been Saw 4 A New Apprentice <laughs> and then I made the joke it should be called saw four and never go through an unsecured door because they repeat that a lot. And I continued joking around with a friend of the show, Ryan Haas from the super Mario brothers movie archive site. And he said it could be saw four who's coming through the door and uh, saw four. Who is it? Who the fuck is it? It was his suggestions.
1: Saw four best foot forward.
0: Oh, there you go. That's another one. Um...
1: You know you know what? I realized this because like the, like the the notion that that's part of what the guys is trying to what's what's trying to be taught is don't go through unsecured doors. W- well, well, damn, it's four movies in. People still aren't tech- checking for traps. But you know what it is. Do you remember Arrested Development? The one armed guy who pretends to have his arm, his prosthetic arm ripped off to teach lessons to the Bluth children. That's right. That's what this movie is. That's that writ large. <laughs> like, I kept I kept explaining at some point one of the victims to just stop screaming and go, and that's why we always never go through unsecured doors. And then Jeffrey Tambor would yeah, yeah. show up, and I'd love the movie for having Jeffrey Tambor in it.
0: I think the the beginning of the movie is some of the best stuff here, in which you see Jigsaw get dissected, where they desaturate the colors where it almost looks black and white, but they, they really pump up the, uh, the colors on the red, the blood and stuff that oozes out. Yeah,
1: yeah it's an effective scene, but all, and, and you even get some full frontal Tobin Bell corpse nudity, uh, which I certainly wasn't expecting. And all I could think was, so I can see this in a major studio release, but I can't see a uh, honest depiction of human lovemaking. Well, thanks, Hollywood.
0: Yeah, you can only have uh nudity I guess if it's in a in a comedy or if it's a a horror film.
1: Well, it just it just occurs to me this is such a pornographically de- oh, yeah, I'll go yeah, I'll say it pornographically depicted autopsy scene. It just it makes me wish I could see some pornographically depicted sex in a movie. Why is it that we can only see violence and dismemberment writ large on the screen? Why can't we see tenderness or eroticism?
0: There is much less sex in movies now than there certainly was in the 70s or even the 80s, really. Uh, I mean, the 90s didn't have very much either, or the early 2000s. But yeah, I, I, I'm i not sure why that is. Is it because, you know, it used to be, oh, oh to see... Uh, um footage of topless chicks or footage of people having sex you could see it in a rated R picture and now I guess everyone can see all that stuff in the internet for free so or maybe actresses don't want it in in their contracts or maybe there's not as many movies about uh, adult uh, uh, romances and what what goes on therein Um, I don't know
1: I mean yeah, I mean it's fine if you know if that's just, you know, part of your contract you won't you won't do nudity. I'm totally fine with that. But it just like th- this movie more than I think anything I've ever seen really gets me ticked off. It really it you know, it it really yanks my crank the double standard between sex and violence in films.
0: Right. Um, so when you get this stuff cut up, it it sort of intercuts with the flashbacks, which it does throughout the film, but you get to see that, oh, actually Jigsaw swallowed a wax-coated uh, cassette.
1: Which which I expected, although that is pretty big. Like, that wax-coated cassette, I really don't know how you could get that down.
0: Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's not a full-size cassette, at least. That would have been <laughs> really stretching <laughs> it. VHS. Of VHS, yeah.
1: Or maybe maybe what happened is right before Jigsaw swallowed the tape, he played a tape of his own creepy puppet saying, Jigsaw, all your life you have been forcing people to swallow difficult tests. Now (laughs) there is something you must swallow. Did he have to psych himself out before uh, swallowing that tape?
0: I don't know. Maybe he just had like a big bottle of vodka handy trying to get it down. I I can't. (laughs) I can't imagine that would have been pleasant because it shows it's when he's like, it's before he dies, but it couldn't have been too far before he dies because he's wearing the same clothes, I think, and uh, has kind of the stubble on his face.
1: Well, that's you know something, a lot of the, the Saw movies, I- I- unless there's a ticking clock, you really don't get any sense of the time scale of events, which kind of fits into this movie's fuck you of an ending.
0: Which is a motor saws 2 kind of twist in a way. Yeah. Um. So, what do you think about this film when when it gets into the meat of the plot, where you have the cops finding uh, Detective Carey's body? Well, you know, that I was like, ripped apart by the machine.
1: I like that they're. I mean, I I like that they're you know still attempting to solve these crimes, and I like that. I, I like that they're they're working through the debris of past films. That is one thing I've liked about this series is like, you know, if, if there's an old body that was never removed, well, don't worry. They'll find it in a later movie. I like that kind of nod to the continuity.
0: But- and I like that the FBI gets involved finally with these serial killers.
1: Yeah, FBI, SWAT teams. Uh...
0: Although they seem just as incompetent as the cops do in the films. But... Yeah, again, it drives, it drives me nuts that,
1: that again, four films in and no one is checking for traps. I guess the only nod I, we got to that is you do see some red dot laser sights on the SWAT team sweep across the floor, but it's, it's all done so quick I get no sense that they're actually checking for anything that might kill them.
0: So, I mean, as we've looked in this these films um I mean Saw 4 Echoes saw 2 in a lot of ways and one of them is the uh, one of the main characters is a cop right yes. and in this time around it is uh, lieutenant rig played by Lyric Bent uh, I assume that's a rap name by the way that's spelled I don't I don't recognize the actor but he was in the the earlier films and um I don't think his dilemma is that interesting. He's like super passive even for a SAW protagonist. Well,
1: what do you even then like presume the less he, he's presu- like
0: too nice, that's his problem.
1: Well like he has an obsession with saving anyone. No. He's a police officer. That's, that's like his job. a goddamn like you're supposed yeah. to protect people <laughs> and you're supposed to protect people's property. And and like that's what police officers do. It's like, you know. and, and again and and like everyone else in the Saw series, he has to have a miserable marriage for no reason.
0: Yeah, you think they would have brought in the wife or something.
1: And 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 they know that and like he, and even then, you know, you know, he, he the guy and it's it's one of the reasons why the ending I think just, you know, doesn't work and everybody's telling him to to let go of that other officer that is missing and presumed dead. But we have a killer who we know kidnaps people and saves them for extended periods. It is perfectly logical to assume that that officer from the previous film is alive.
0: Right. And, of course, he does turn Um,
1: out to be alive at the end.
0: That's right. So, plot twist upon... um, Plot twist. I mean, you know, they do call back to the other films when, when Riggs is... Taken hostage, as tends to happen in these saw films. He wakes up in a bathtub, yeah. which reminds you of you know what happened with the photographer in the first film, Adam, right? Yeah, is and, and
1: his whole apartment has been converted into a saw trap. Which I gotta wonder how long that took.
0: Well, speaking of which, we do learn a lot more of Jigsaw's backstory. Oh, do you think yeah. it helped make him more interesting, or is it a bit? uh weird that oh I, he he's an architect i
1: think it was well well he wasn't an architect he was a civil engineer which that mm. i that i kind of liked it 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 does it, i mean i don't think this really well i guess 3 4 movies in maybe it does need an explanation but it does explain you know his background in engineering uh why he's able to build these elaborate how he has the skill set to build these elaborate death traps and also to find and secure abandoned buildings but beyond that, I feel like a lot of the extra background stuff is unnecessary, because I think he does jigsaw does work very well as a cipher. When all we know about him is that he wants to teach people lessons and that he has a terminal cancer diagnosis, I think that is a fine bit of background that doesn't need too much embellishment. And so, in, you know, going into detail about his wife and and losing you know losing an unborn son and and things like that. A, a lot of it, what starts out interesting, gets very unnecessary as it goes.
0: I think the idea that his uh, his wife is pregnant and she has a place for junkies, where junkies can rehab, it's a rehabilitation place. You know. Yeah, she's like, oh, um,
1: what, was it? a Rehabilitation place? Or was it a free clinic? The impression I got was that it was know. it was like a, 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 a free clinic.
0: Right, I mean, it seemed to cater to junkies at any rate. Um, it seemed like a methadone clinic, sort of.
1: I mean, it could have been. I mean, we we know we know that she was she was offering some sort of care to people in a very poverty stricken neighbor. Although, then again, Saw seems to take place in a city that is just one giant slum.
0: Yeah, and I find it a bit disappointing that you know, Jigsaw is out in this extended flashback sequence. He's out warming up the car. Meanwhile, she's trying to close up the office herself. Don't you have some sort of janitorial staff for a building of that size? Well, like, why would,
1: especially a medical building,
0: right? Where you you have all sorts of human waste and, and toxic things that need to be, you know, disposed of. Well,
1: even even then, and, and speak. It's, I I have I have escorted plenty of people to their cars and to their their hotels, even in nice neighborhoods. If 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 my wife worked at a clinic in a crime ridden in a downtrodden crime ridden neighborhood, I would be there to walk her to the car. I wouldn't just wait in some alley. We don't even know where how close the car is. Like, why not park out front? Why park in an alley, which is apparently a block away from the clinic?
0: Well, you see, when the guy leaves, it's out the back door. So it, so yeah, apparently his wife doesn't leave through the the brightly lit entrance to this place um,
1: which is weird because the back door leads directly into the waiting room not the front door
0: yeah it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but I mean you know she's trying to leave and this junky guy that kind of gave her a hard problem before says oh oh, I left my jacket can you get it and she goes back for it like no to say I'm sorry sir we're closed please leave
1: yeah and then call, call the, the jigsaw in the car
0: right yeah that too you know and um, but, you know, he goes in, he, he steals, you know, whatever medication, whatever he's he's looking for. And he slams the door into her stomach and she's pregnant and it causes a, uh, a miscarriage. It appears instantaneously or some sort of heavy damage. And, it didn't seem like it slammed her that hard. And
1: immediately, but... though, immediately, he's very sorry and concerned.
0: <laughs> what if they would have had it where she was wearing baggy clothing and then he, he stabs her? And then, like, there's sort of the reveal that, oh, she's pregnant.
1: Well, I don't think we need that – I don't think it works if that's a reveal. I I like the idea of knowing that she's pregnant because that allows us to get more invested into the unborn child. Um, But I don't know. Like, I do do feel kind of upset that, like, it is him being – I, I wish he was. I hate to say this, but I really wish that that guy had been more active uh, in in the miscarriage. You know, it, it, as as it stands, he just act it just he causes it to accidentally happen by slamming that door into her belly. I almost want there to be some sort of struggle, and he accidentally stabs her, or maybe even on purpose stabs her. I just feel like, and, I, and of course, that's it. I don't know. It just it's it seems it's not enough. Weak. It seems like a, yeah. a weaker way to set up that conflict.
0: And so as the, you know um Jigsaw was really involved really excited to have a son and this sort of thing that ruins the the marriage and um so they they drift apart and they they explain that it also shows that the doll was originally made for his unborn child is what they imply well, Why is really he scary looking? Why did he want
1: to give a terror doll to their child? like it would be one thing if it was like a legitimate kind of silly looking clown doll that still had the same not, no, general color right. scheme but no it's it's a barely it, it is a slightly more smoothed out version of the terrifying doll we've seen in all these other films
0: I almost would have rather had it like had it been like a, a totem or something that looked vaguely like the doll that well, he had on his desk I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah, it is strange. Like, I, I feel like the origin story that they give for the doll needs its own origin story to justify why he thought that would be a fun thing to make for for his child.
0: And it shows the guy that, um, you know, accidentally caused the death of his unborn child uh, is Jigsaw's first victim.
1: Which, that's kind of appropriate.
0: And I like that Jigsaw is there in person, like, taunting him and stuff. That, like, that was... Although it is a fairly involved trap. I thought it would be like super simple, but it's.
1: And, and like, like all the traps, the person involved still dies, even though like he, 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 like the idea that you have to push your face through knives, that seemed like cre- kind of creepy and neat. Like that, that was a really, that was a creepy death trap. Um, but just, so just, he
0: tumbles into barbed wire, it spins around on
1: him and traps him that, that Jigsaw just so happened to have there. I don't know. Like, I almost almost feel like Jigsaw's... Because Jigsaw gets that whole modus operandi really quickly. He seems to have his entire methodology figured out with the death traps and the choices and whatnot. I almost feel like he should have inflicted a brutal revenge killing on that guy and still felt hollow afterwards. And so he had to come up with this whole test-based methodology to, to give meaning to the kills.
0: Like maybe he, you know, maybe there's a chase scene after the guy, you know, after he checks on his wife and the guy runs away and he runs him over with the car. Maybe, well, yeah, maybe, maybe trap-like? so. I mean, it could be something, something like that. It
1: could be something a bit more, uh, a bit more premeditated and brutal. But I don't know. if Like, yeah. I, Jigsaw doesn't really get an, get an evolution from guy with cancer dying guy. We don't really get an evolution pre-cancer diagnosis j- to jigsaw. It's just the moment he gets the diagnosis and the the wife has the miscarriage. He is instantly the guy we right. have seen in all the other films.
0: Yeah, he goes he goes straight to eleven, um, and you see him get a pig mask for the first time from the Chinese uh, oh festival. God, which the they even feel the like pig. they have to
1: set up too. They set up a whole thing about the Chinese... And the only thing we get from the Chinese Zodiac is when his wife is being interviewed by the police. Chinese Zodiac never comes up before or since until he's tracking the junkie down and yet takes those pig masks from the Chinese street fair.
0: He could have made a little pig uh, toy for his unborn son. Yeah, an adorable little that piggy. Might have made Yeah, that might have made sense. More sense than the creepy ass... <laughs> um doll that, they, that the internet community calls Billy. I don't think the movies call him that, but if you look online, that's what he's called. Oh, no. So, I mean, in the we didn't mention in the beginning there's a trap that's pretty nasty where one guy's eyes is shown shut and the other guy's mouth is shown shut. Oh. And there's like a chain with this thing in the middle. And if you pull on one, it pulls on the other guy. Um, so that's pretty gross yeah
1: and and that well it's also like there doesn't seem to be again there doesn't seem to be any real method to this one because we don't get you know there's no recording that they both hear they're just suddenly they're in this death trap there's no context for it and i found that very unsatisfying uh this you know despite my my criticisms and outright complaints about the series there's always been a context for all the traps but now that do you context think- is
0: gone Well, and do you think the context of the traps in this one, it's all due to Lieutenant Riggs, um, you know, sort of tepidness, or he he doesn't want to, not tepidness, but he just wants to barge into everything. Do you think that's as good as, like, a a storyline is in the third film where it's like this guy's son was killed by a drunk driver and now all these people are related to that in some way?
1: Well, I suppose so. Uh, I guess it's, it also just, like, the tests with... The, the test within a test kept getting really frustrating for me with this. Like when the woman, like when, when there's that woman that he's not supposed to save, because if he tries to save her, the machine rips her scalp off by the hair, but then he does save her, but then he try, she tries to kill him because her test involves killing him. But I, I, but why kill him? Like, what did Jigsaw have on her? Because fuck it, she, he saves her, she's free. It just, does she honestly think this cop is going to go through the trouble of arresting her? And and also, keep keep in mind, what's she going to be arrested for? Isn't it just prostitution?
0: Yeah, I mean, the trap seems pretty nasty for whatever her transgressions might have been. Like, and I mean, I I think this was really painful to watch because the gears get caught in her hair and pull her back. Yeah.
1: And even then the idea that the combination is on the uh the gears is ridiculous because they don't like the gears just happen to it it feels convoluted to me that the gear that the combination numbers would be revealed in the right order.
0: I like that he shoots the gears the thing stops and then it starts up again yeah I don't
1: know what that was <laughs> what that was about,
0: yeah um. Because
1: I guess, cause I guess it just see, it seems so so it seems so weird to me that she would she would rather risk a murder rap than a prostitution rap.
0: Do you like that it's revealed that well, I guess they did mention this in Saw Three technically that Detective Matthews is alive.
1: I I actually kind of expected that not not that yeah. just that you know you know if they ever want to bring a character back, they could easily justify him not being dead the whole time. So,
0: and Detective it, Hoffman is there with them, and then it's linked between the two with the timer and the guy that's kind of behind the computer. I mean, that was sort of interesting that you get the survivor, of the trap in the beginning, is having to help uh, this trap of jigsaws in circumstance, which is a lot like Zep in the first film.
1: Yeah, which you know, but this is this is I I almost fell in love with this movie because of this death trap. So we got the guy, you know, on the melting block of ice who's slowly being hanged, but then the right. that's all attached to this sort of balance board where when the ice melts and he actually does get hanged, the guy strapped to the chair will be electrocuted. Well... At, there's a point where the the, the 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 guy hanging the guy from Saw Two says "fuck it, I'm not playing this game anymore" and just jumps off the ice block to just end end his life. And I'm like, thank you, thank you. Four movies in, finally, there's a character who's not willing to play Jigsaw's fucking little game and is willing to sabotage the whole endeavor. I was the series started to redeem itself for me and then the guy watching the monitors just puts him back on the block of ice, and then he never tries to do that again. I would goddamn struggle in that situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, that could have been an interesting sort of conflict instead of it being sort of taken care of immediately as the problem and, uh, presented itself.
1: Yeah, and then the other thing is, we've got, we've got three people in this room for about 90 minutes, if you know, we go by that countdown clock. That's right. And they can all speak... Why don't they just fucking talk to each other?
0: They got uh, a thing in their mouth, right? They got No, they don't. Bandana. No they can all
1: oh. no, they're, all their mouths are unrestrained. They can all speak, and they do, they do like share a couple of like exchanges back and forth, but nothing with any real meaning or substance. So why don't they just talk? Everyone try to piece together exactly how they got into this situation and try to find a way out of it?
0: That's what the movie should have been is those two on that trap just sort of focus and have it be a more intimate story like the first Saw.
1: In a lot of ways, I think I would right? have rather seen that with the added complication yeah. of the guy at the monitors. I would rather see kind of a closed-room drama of them talking with each other, forging a sure. real human connection, and yeah. maybe trying to see if the three of them together can outsmart Saw. A jigsaw.
0: Jigsaw, right. Um, I did sort of like this trap you get in here. Of, there there is an incident with uh, Lieutenant Rigg, Where uh, I think it was like an elementary school teacher or something uh, abused uh, a little girl or a student or something. And he lost his temper and punched the guy in the face when he got off. Oh, yeah. And it's him and and it's this uh, teacher and his wife. And they are impaled by like these rods that kind of go all the way through both of them. And it's sort of like the simplicity of that compared to some of the other crazy jigsaw trap well that
1: and like that's also one of the few sort of instructive traps that actually kind of make sense because this, this is a woman who has suffered abuse at this man's hands and now she's in a position where she can where they could both die together or one of them could get away uh, depending on what she's capable of enduring and that I kind of lied to. though at the same time the thing that kind of bothered me is like w- why why couldn't he pull the spikes out? His hands were free. There didn't seem to be anything restricting the spikes' movement. But the spikes only ever seemed to move where she wanted them to move. But on top of that, the spikes were supposed to be going through certain vital areas. I feel like they would have bled out faster once the spikes were removed. You know how how you're told. Oh right. When yeah. you get certain injuries, you're supposed to like if you get a real deep puncture injury, you're supposed to leave it in the wound. But that because you don't want gushing blood flow.
0: Well, I've heard that's uh, allegedly one of the reasons why Steve Irwin died is he got the uh, the, the barbed tail or something of some sea, uh, ocean creature. Oh, a stingray. A yes. stingray, right, through his chest, and they pulled it out, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I don't know if it would have, I mean, it, where it hit him, I don't know if it would have made a difference either way.
1: So, so it's, it's unclear to me why the husband died before she did and why she didn't just bleed out. Because they even show on the anatomical chart on the wall where they're being punctured, and it's going through some major arteries.
0: Right, and also, I mean, you think, Lieutenant Rigg, this isn't the first trap he runs across. You think he'd have a little bit of his wits about him and not just be paralyzed?
1: Yeah, and and also he's complete he's so willing to play Saw's game. The moment he got out of his apartment, why didn't he call the goddamn police force that he works for? This is the case they've been working.
0: That's right. Uh, well let's go into the Oh, I guess before the ending of the film, one more thing that brought to mind. I think it's a little bit disappointing. They don't give the wife a lot to do. She's just sort of an exposition machine in this. She, yeah, she's there the to Jigsaw's deliver exposition. To be threatened, and, by the and be, in the, be threatened by the police and be threatened by the police, and be threatened by the criminal guy in the hospital. The thug mm. that roughs her up a bit. Yeah, she's just there to be threatened, uh, basically. Um, but and I don't think this is really spoilers. But you know, uh, she does come back in later movies, mm. so which makes sense. Um, what do you think about the the twist at the the end of the film? Well, where the FBI. Well, first with the FBI guy, right?
1: Well, there's the whole thing where you find out that this movie is happening concurrently with Saw Three. Yep. And so as a result, the uh, the man who survived the end of Saw Three but had to rescue his daughter, uh, you know, gets shot by the gets shot by the agent. And it's just like, oh, I, I was actually kind of interested in seeing him try to save his daughter. That just, that pissed me off, because one, I don't get to see him try to save his daughter, and two, that means there's a daughter somewhere in a vault running out of air who's now just flat out going to die.
0: Yeah, why wasn't that the plot for Saw 4? Didn't it set it up so naturally to do that, right? To have it... Yeah. Because he says, you have one more, you know, you have a test, now you have to go through these tests. And and
1: that test could have involved setting up these other death traps.
0: Yeah, just have, right, I mean, even just have the same, I mean, I guess the traps would be different, but yeah, have him go through a second series of tests, now that he's been through a first series of tests, and uh, to try and save his daughter, I mean, that's that's a far... Better motivating factor than what you have in this. I film. mean, he
1: could be the guy watching the monitors. Uh, like, I don't, I don't totally buy. The, yeah. The, again, because there's no context for that first trap. When it turns out the guy from the first trap is the is Jigsaw's lawyer, and the guy watching the monitors, like, I have no idea why he's playing along. He's got some sort of device attached to him, but we get absolutely no sense of what that device is, or how it works, or what it's supposed to do to him.
0: Uh, the other big reveal is that Detective Hoffman gets, uh, you know, he he listens to that tape from Jigsaw, and it turns he's been in on Jig, he's been helping. Uh, he's going to be the next Jigsaw,
1: which seems uh, uh, that's not. I kind of expected that kind of twist. To come, but at the same time, why the fuck is this guy working with Jigsaw? Am I going to have to sit through another origin story that explains why this guy is behind the traps in this movie?
0: Just you wait. Oh, I've got three bet. more movies to go. Oh, I three bet. more movies to go, and we're not even uh, it's... the
1: part that pissed me off the most.
0: What pissed you off the most? I've been pretty upset this whole show.
1: Well, okay, what really did it? So again, the real lesson of this movie is don't barge through an unsecured door. But but uh, er, but uh, Lieutenant Rig, you know, bursts through the final test door, uh, and it sets off the whole series of, of death traps. And the short of it is, we saw earlier two giant blocks of ice from the ceiling. Well, those blocks of ice swing down and splatter the head of the guy from Saw Two, which then unshifts the balance board, killing the guy in the electric chair. So the only the only thing that the lieutenant actually had to do to save the lives of the people he was trying to save was to do absolutely nothing or do what i suggested and go to the police the moment he got out of his apartment and that that pissed me off on the main, that pissed me off on a couple of levels cuz it's you ever taken that test in in like middle school where you're given a really complicated test and the last question on the test is simply instructions not to answer any questions on the test, and that's how you pass the test. But no one ever passes that test because it's so counterintuitive, and it is the only test that actually works like that, is that test. Well, fuck you, movie. Fuck you.
0: Oh, okay. I guess uh, you're not going to give this five out of five. No, I'm not. What's What's your rating for Saw 4?
1: I really want to... Have I given anything
0: zero yet? I don't. I have no right. I don't think. I, no rec- I, don't, think so. I don't think
1: I'm, I'm going to give this movie zero. I'm going to give this movie zero stars. The more I think about it, the more. And I keep in mind I've only seen this once, but the more I think about it, the more this movie just frustrates me and pisses me off.
0: All right, I give this. Hmm. I think I'll give it one... Uh, No, I'll give it two. I'll give it two stars. I like some of the flashback stuff. I think half of the stuff with Jigsaw works, half of it doesn't. I like the simplicity of the trap with the husband and wife, with the the middle pole, the rod sticking through them. I think that's a good trap. And it is... um, weirdly satisfying seeing the police encounter uh detective carry's body because in saw 3 they show her um failing the trap and the thing exploding but then you never get any follow up to that
1: hmm. so
0: it's nice to get closure on that you know what happens at the end with that character and getting the FBI involved i think is is smart even though they don't about time they they don't do anything really with them at least not in this film so, uh yeah. So let's do a pitch a sequel. We're going to pretend they never made any sequels to uh, to Saw 4. Um I think I have something in mind. You mind if I go first?
1: Go right ahead.
0: All right. I will call this one Saw 5 FBY. <laughs> Spelled W Y H and uh it would be about the, it would take place maybe around the time of the first Saw film. And it would be, this is the very first time that Lieutenant Carey um, is informing the FBI about Jigsaw. Hmm. And they're kind of blowing off, and so it just sort of has this concurrent timeline uh, up until Saw, you know, three slash four, where it she keeps on saying like all these things. Oh my God, Jigsaw did this, Jigsaw did that, and the FBI keep on ignoring her, and it's sort of like an Office Space kind of comedy, where the FBI uh, agents are a bunch of cutups; and they can't take this serial killer in this small town, you know, in this rundown city seriously Mm -hmm. until she somehow reports to someone to such a a superior in the office that they have to take it seriously. And they're like, Oh fuck. Well, we're making jokes about this guy. People have really died. He's caused so much harm to society. So I would call it saw five FBY. And the tagline would be federal Bureau investigation <laughs>
1: <Huh>? <laughs> Followed by a reaction shot from a dog.
0: Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh yours?
1: Okay, so my my pitch of sequel. So this tape in Jigsaw's stomach, well that's only the beginning. It turns out there's a whole subculture of people who survived Jigsaw Traps who just never came forward for various reasons. Some because maybe Jigsaw they thought Jigsaw might have something else on them. Some because they were just too traumatized. Some because they just got the hell out of town. But the short of it is, there are six people that secretly escaped Jigsaw Traps all throughout the first four films. Well, the guy who has the tape needs f- instructions on how to be the perfect uh, Jigsaw. That's just the first tape. It turns out, Jigsaw was thinking ahead. All the other... the tapes containing all of his secrets are hidden in the bodies of these six people. They all have it, like, hidden in a different body cavity huh. or in their connective tissue. So, this is more of a chase movie, where it's... it's, th- it's that... Uh, it's, it's the crooked guy. It saw Saw's New Apprentice. Traveling the country trying to hunt these people down and trying to get these tapes out of him. Tapes out of them. These tapes are Jigsaw's legacy. But the thing is, he figures as long as I have to kill these people, I might as well test some traps on them. And that's what tips some of the other survivors off. So by the time he gets to the last the the last two survivors one of the, th- the last two survivors is a has been driven completely paranoid and has been wa- figured this day is going to come. A day is going to come when Jigsaw or someone like him is going to come after me. So he's actually really well defended. The other la- of the last two survivors has become a Jigsaw copycat killer. And the two of them end up joining forces and creating this whole gauntlet of death that this guy has to go through. And he does not survive. All the tapes end up in the hands of the copycat killer who then kills his paranoid ally and then he goes on to become the next Jigsaw.
0: And when would this take place in the timeline? Uh,
1: this would take place uh, shortly after the uh, Jigsaw's autopsy. So maybe a day after all the other movies.
0: <laughs> and would Hoffman be involved in the story? Oh, uh, maybe so. Maybe. Okay.
1: If we can get him. If we can get the actor, sure and i will call that a saw 5 full circle
0: nice kind of like saucer circles
1: indeed jagged doing. circles E maybe saw 5 jagged circle might even be a better jagged title circle. we'll we'll work on it we'll shop it around copyright me
0: there you go so let's uh go into sequel news one jumped out and i really hope this is true um So they just released uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse on Blu-ray. Nice. And they interviewed Paul Rubens, who played Pee-wee Herman, um, about the set and all the extras, all the stuff that's on it. And he mentions at the end, they're asking, you know, you've been working on Pee-wee Herman, uh, a new film for a while, what's happening? And he says uh, the new movie's on the verge of being announced. And he's he's working on it with Judd Apatow. Oh, nice. Um, And I really hope, uh, an announcement happens and they and they get the money and this really happens because well I'll be honest, I never saw big top pee wee but I was a big fan of the uh the TV show as a kid. I'd like to check out this Blu-ray set and um a new Pee Wee would be interesting. I don't know if it would be more adult, more kiddie. I mean he's been trying to get a Pee Wee Herman uh new film off the ground for well over a decade.
1: Well, you know, I really hope that it's based on the what he had planned for the untitled adult Pee-wee project.
0: That's where fame is a monster.
1: Yeah, where it's where like it's about Pee-wee Herman, the character, becoming world famous and getting pulled into like the seedy underbelly of Hollywood.
0: Huh.
1: I love I love that concept, especially given. The origin of the Pee Wee Herman character, the dawn of that character, he was doing an improv exercise with uh, Second City, and the character premise he was given was the man who will never succeed in show business. And he just came out of the stage going, hi, everyone, (laughs) and like doing kind of really basic Pee Wee shtick.
0: I thought it was birthed a bit out of his frustration of not getting on Saturday Night Live.
1: That may have had something to do with it. And not Neat. getting the lead in Roger Rabbit
0: yeah, because right, here 's the Temp voice in some of the test uh, footage. What do you think about uh, what 's a bit of sequel news that jumps out to you
1: well this this is sequel news that makes me really, really happy. Uh, one of my favorite movies of the past few years was guillermo del toro 's uh, Pacific Rim, and we know that a Pacific Rim Two is already in development and is supposed to be out in two thousand and seventeen. Uh, he is already planning Pacific Rim 3. And apparently Pacific Rim 2 is going to end on something of a cliffhanger that sets up the third film. I, part like I, Normally I'm very cynical about trilogies, but I would like to see this as a trilogy.
0: So are they planning to do 2 and 3 back-to-back? Or? Uh,
1: no, they are not being... He's got other projects he needs to do, so it looks like, at least from the sources I've seen, they are not being done back-to-back. Uh, At least not the actual shooting. I suspect, like, script development and and things like that are being handled uh, concurrently.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Gilmer de Toro spent a whole year working on um, what was supposed to be the first Hobbit film. And then dropped out. And I wonder what he would have done. But, I mean, because of that, then he took Pacific Rim. Yeah, and then then there was was also his, uh,
1: his At the Mountains of Madness adaptation, which I would... I, why can't that get made? I would love to see his take on one of the uh, major Lovecraft stories.
0: That's been in the works for a real long time. Yeah, he's that's right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's a great director and uh, visually very um, very interesting, so we'll have to see what happens. I still yet have to see Pacific Rim. I know it's been out uh, on uh, Blu-ray and stuff for a while, is, so I need to rent that one. It
1: is very entertaining. I hardly recommend checking that out.
0: I've heard it feels like it's the second part of a trilogy or something.
1: You know, it actually does. Like, there's, yeah. it, it does kind of feel like a very good middle chapter. Or, All depending right. on how you look at it, a very good last chapter, if you, if you don't mind uh, quiet victories.
0: So let's uh, move on to what you're watching. Well, so to follow up from last week, I uh, took your advice, Thrasher. I watched the first episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place.
1: Oh, uh, what did you think?
0: I really liked it. I mean, it takes a bit to get used to the tone. I mean, they really commit to uh, making it look like a shitty like, late 70s, early 80s soap opera down to the cinematography, um, the acting. I'm a bit thrown off by, like, the retrospective interviews. I mean, I understand why they do that, but it seems like you're trying to get into, like, whatever the stupid story is for the episode. And then it does feel like you're watching, like... uh, an old show mixed in with special features for a show that never existed.
1: They uh in the later episodes they make more effective use over the notion of the interstitial interviews, but I they they become much more essential to the show, but yeah, okay. I, like at least with that first episode I feel like those interviews are there mainly to like rem- to remind the audience or people tuning in late that they're not actually watching an old show.
0: Well, I like that they show uh, Garth Marenghi's bookshelf of books that he's written, and they all look almost identical, like as far as the font and how they look to like the Stephen King hardcover novels of the '80s.
1: Uh, yeah, it's true. And actually, I don't know if it's still up, but the uh, old Garth Marenghi website they actually had like the Garth Marenghi bibliography. And oh, the, the, the titles, titles and... descriptions, and covers for those books were hilarious. And a few of them I even bet. had like chapter oh. excerpts. It was amazing comedy. and
0: yeah, I was looking into it. I don't think it was ever officially released on DVD in the United States. Um, but I, I was able to catch it on Hulu Plus. Uh, had it on there. Um, what have you been watching?
1: Well, I spent uh, the past weekend at Con on the Cob in Hudson, Ohio. That's an uh, independently run podcast. Uh, convention set up by Mother Oyth Creations uh, founded by Andy Hopp who's a really amazing uh, artist and uh, a, a game designer uh, so being there the whole time I actually did not have uh, I really just did not have any time to sit down and watch any movies but I did get treated to an impromptu uh, performance by the Geek Core Hip Hop Duo 2D6
0: Two D Six.
1: Two D Six. Yeah, they're uh,
0: six. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I believe you can see their movie at Two D Six Music dot com. You can actually check out some of their albums. Yeah, they were uh, they were musical guests at the convention, and we were all hanging out at uh, the Rogue Cthulhu Gaming Club's party. And the short of it is that we got kicked we got kicked out of that room, but were moved to a much nicer room. And, you know, it was just a it was just a great swing and party, and something with the beat started playing, and they started uh, doing this rap about monks uh, over it. It was really great.
0: So they were freestyle rapping. I don't think that it looked
1: too well choreographed. I don't think they were freestyling. I think it was a, either it was one of their songs, which happened to be on the playlist that was playing, uh, or it had a beat similar enough that they took advantage of it. But it was really nice to just see a spontaneous performance in the middle of this party.
0: To see a spontaneous performance like that.
1: Yeah, you you don't often see spontaneous performances.
0: No. Um, What else? So I I watched a a film I'd been meaning to see, and I loved the book as a kid. I think I talked about watching the beginning of this before, but I I finished watching the movie Ender's Game. Oh, yes. On HBO. And uh, not that great, which is kind of disappointing. And it's not like they really changed much of what happened in the book, from what I can remember. Hmm. Although I haven't read the book... uh, you know, in over 15 years. But in spite of all that, they just, it's directed in a very boring way. It, it it also, I mean, part of the problem is in the book, the main character of Ender is written to be elementary school age. And in the movie, the main character is like 12 or 13. Hmm. And it's a lot less, um, Impactful, well, like, uh, you know, in, uh, have you ever read the book? Uh,
1: I have not read the original Ender's Game. I have read some of the later books in the series.
0: Oh, okay. Um, uh, there was a part early on in the, in the movie, and it's in the book as well, where he's getting picked on at school, and then he just sort of, you know, gets really angry and beats the shit out of this bully that's a bit larger than him. Hmm. And if it was like an elementary school kid doing it to like a 12 year old, like, they could be really impactful but it's like these two kids about the same age and they're middle school kids and middle school kids get in fights anyway. So it doesn't seem like such a big deal. And also it's not like done as, as savage as it came off as the book. Mm. So it's, it's weird choices like that. Um, Harrison Ford is in it. Ben Kingsley is in it. Alfred Woodard is in it. They, There's a lot of good Do they put in good actors. performances? Um, Harrison Ford is okay. The other ones do pretty good. Uh, I think part of the problem is they try to have Harrison Ford do comedy in the beginning and it doesn't quite work out. There's a very awkward exchange where all the (coughs) the guys are flying up to the, the military training school and he someone says some I think the general played by Harrison Ford says something and Ender is the only one that laughs and the general says See, Ender's laughing. It's funny. He's right. Everyone should be laughing, just like Ender. But, like, I don't know. Like, the comic timing is just, like, <laughs> s- static, and it might have been something that played off better as a book than as a movie. Uh, and it just feels that way with the whole... It, in the first book, there's an extended uh, sequence where he plays this virtual reality computer game set, like, in this jack-in-the-beamstock setting. Which they recreate that in the film with kind of mediocre CG graphics work, which doesn't really fit with the other science fiction stuff going on. So, yeah, I don't know. I just thought they made an interesting book, kind of boring and kind of slow. And yet at the time, like overstuffed with narration. Like they try to get him to the training school as quickly as possible. Um but the actor that plays Ender, it's the same. Uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but it's the same actor that was in the. Um, oh, the Martin Scorsese film about the kid that loves uh, movies. What is that called? Damn it. Asa Butterfield is the guy that plays him. Uh, hmm. Hugo, Hugo. He was the lead in the Martin Scorsese family film, Hugo. So. There you go. Um uh, Did you like the later Enders Games books that you read?
1: N I thought they were I thought they were full of good ideas. However, I felt like I was having a story described to me, not told to me. Just because of the, mm. the language used. That and in in a book where characters just spend most of their time standing around and making philosophical arguments, uh, I'm very disappointed that nobody is a pragmatist. Nobody nobody says let's just we well we've got to do something so let's just do it and deal with the consequences. It, it, everybody is too agonizing too much about the consequences. Like the, like everybody seems paralyzed by the very notion that there could be consequences to anything they do. Uh, and then, for all intents and purposes, magic solves the problem. But that then allows a new problem to be magically introduced. At the, I'm talking about Xenocide. In case you have, don't know which later book I'm specifically referring to, I'm talking about Xenocide.
0: Yeah, Xenocide I gave up on. You know, I loved Ender's game. I read the sequel, Speaker for the Dead. I thought that was pretty good. And then Xenocide, they had these these endless sequences of a character that's on her hands and knees uh, cleaning a wooden floor looking at each grain in the wood.
1: And on, on on the one hand, I actually did enjoy... Because she has an obsessive-compulsive disorder. And on That's the right. one hand, while I did enjoy... Uh, well, I, I, I did feel that it was an effective depiction of an obsessive-compulsive disorder. Um, I feel like I would have to have one to get through all the times it's brought up and has no effect on the story. Yeah. And then you will probably be pissed off if you find out the greater context for her obsessive-compulsive disorder. What is it? Oh, do you wanna want want know? know?
0: Yeah, sure. Major spoilers. So, oh. Spoilers for an old oh, book.
1: Okay, so in, in the hegemon era of the Enders game universe, um the hegemon created a planet of super of genetically engineered super geniuses. Because to basically use the whole planet as a kind of brain trust, but then figured well, as long as we've got a whole planet of super geniuses, they could t- they could topple me and take over the galaxy, so let's just give them crippling obsessive compulsive disorder so the same genetic engineering that get, that makes them gives all the people on this planet super genius level intelligence also gives them obsessive compulsive disorder uh to keep them sort of to, to basically keep them chained down to that planet, which, isn't that a fuck you to people with obsessive-compulsive disorders?
0: I'm also, I almost think it's almost a comment, too, of, like, on autism, in a way, and that, you know, a lot of people with autism are very smart, and then are crippled by this other stuff, but, but yeah, I mean that's very strange. like
1: you it's... have a planet with millions of people on it that's been there for hundreds of years. Surely someone would have found a way to cope with their disorder or transcend it or, 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 or if they're such super geniuses, why does it take them hundreds of years to figure out that they were genetically tampered with? Surely they have that's... medical technology. Surely they could have noticed telltale signs of genetic tailoring.
0: That's just bizarre. Yeah, Weird. that was
1: that was kind of a uh, that was a moment in the book that was very frustrating to read through.
0: Uh well let's go to the Paul Gobel <laughs> Memorial Mashup. Oh
1: yes. The Paul Gobel Show Memorial Mashup where I take two impressions of some sort, blend them together into a, del- a delish- delicious 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 patate which I spread over Matt's cracker like ears. And he <laughs> has to guess the flavor.
0: Alright, time for me to guess the flavor. Uh go. All right. You caught me working in the
1: lab late one night. I'm so glad you could come. Perhaps you'd like to see some of my work on quantum theory. Or perhaps my revolutionary planetary model of the atom, much more accurate than the old plum pudding model of the atom. Or maybe you'd like to see some clips from The Mummy. Or those later films I did with physicist Roger Corman.
0: Hmm. So... I'm sure I have this wrong. I've been doing bad on these lately. Um, The voice either sounds like the artist uh, that performed the novelty hit The Monster Mash. Or it sounds like an actor that's been in some uh, Mel Brooks films that has the line, No noose is good noose in Robin Hood, Men in Tights.
1: He himself is doing an impression. Ah. Of an act, of another I actor. See. So I do
0: not know uh, to what you're referring to, but I, I'm assuming it somehow ties into Isaac Newton?
1: Uh, no, he did not work on the atom. That was uh, Niels Boris Karloff. Uh, horror icon Boris Karloff crossed with physicist Niels Bohr, who has a lot to do with our understanding of the atom. There you go. He, he was a Danish physicist.
0: I just had a Danish for breakfast. Coincidence? I don't think so. Boing! Alright. Well, um, <laughs> on that note, uh, you can catch me on Twitter <laughs> at SequelCast.
1: And you can catch me at Internet Mayor.
0: Uh, if you like the show, please consider uh, donating via the PayPal link at SequelCast.com. Um, it's not free to do a podcast. It's not terribly expensive, but I wouldn't mind getting some of that covered. And hey, if we make above what it costs to run the show in a year, we can get better equipment and, uh, and I don't pay for movie tickets. I we, don't know.
1: We can treat ourselves to a uh to a hamburger dinner.
0: I don't think that's a valid use, but
1: it's a business me- it's a business luncheon.
0: Well, in that case. Okay. Uh, so um yeah, website sequelcast.com, check out all the old episodes there. Best way to get in contact with us is through the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash sequelcast. Um. so tune in next week where we will talk about Saw 5 Thrasher wishes we would be done with the Saw series by now but uh, we have a few films left
1: I, I will soldier on
0: soldier on there you go so um, for the sequel cast this is Matt
1: and this is Thrasher
0: saying where's my daughter never go through an unsecured door The Sequel Cast is a Hipster Goblin production. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.